I guess well, I'm officially qualified for geezerhood now. And in preparation for this sermon, I, I was offended again. I was asking some people what challenges older people, and one of the younger ones said, you know, well, why don't you look in the mirror and just speak from experience? And that ticked me off. And so the next elders meeting, I, I brought it to the elders, and I said, you need to discipline that person. And they were going to, but I couldn't remember the name. Uh, anyway, this sermon is for older people, but it also is not just for older people. In fact, a good time to think about old age is when you're young. If you were planning on spending the rest of your life in another country, you, could, you would learn as much about that country as much as possible. You'd learn about the climate and the people and the history and the language. you do a lot of studying and preparation. Well, old age is kind of like another country. And you will enjoy more and be more pleasing to Christ if you've prepared yourself by the time you get there. So just like last week, which was for children, it really applied to all of us. I think this will apply to all of us as well. You see some older people, they have a heart for the kingdom. They're godly, kind and gracious and joyful and fun to be around and encouraging. And we have a lot of great older people in our church. And then you see others that are not so, uh, so much that way and a little more cynical and critical and unhappy and Sometimes just plain selfish. Now, if you're younger, you need to be asking yourself, which way do I want to go? How do I want to be? Prepare now for those later years. Generally speaking, who you are today will intensify as you get older. There's an old truism that says, as I age, I become more me. Who you are today will shape who you will be tomorrow and your attitudes and your thinking. And so this is not just to everyone over the age of I don't know, 60, whatever you want to say, is but to everyone who plans on living for a while. And I'm finding out that getting older isn't all bad and it isn't all good. In fact, in the Bible, old age is both a blessing and a curse. It is a blessing associated with experience and maturity and respect. Being allowed to live to a ripe old age was considered a positive. When Abraham died, it says he died at a good old age, an old man in full of years. Just a very positive ending there. And I have found there are some perks to being older. For one thing, you don't really have to try to impress anyone anymore. One guy said, you quit trying to hold in your stomach no matter who walks into the room. Uh, At this age, you start actually enjoying elevator music. Did anybody see a special on the Carpenters last night? It was special. Anyway, uh, your investment in health insurance begins to pay off. Uh, Your supply of brain cells is finally down to a manageable size. So there are some good things about getting older, but it's also a curse. Ecclesiastes calls the older years days of trouble. And in that chapter, it talks about the eyesight getting worse and the teeth fewer and the hearing is going and the body is hunched over and more aches and pains. And so what I want to talk about today is as I age, how do I do it without becoming an old fogey? And I looked up the word fogey. It says an extremely fussy, old-fashioned person, usually someone older, and some synonyms for it were fuddy-duddy and stick in the mud. I don't want to be that. Neither do you. So the Apostle Paul wrote to Titus about being older, and this is what we want to look at today. In Titus 2, 2 and 3, teach the older men to be temperate. Worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and endurance. I want to be like that. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanders or addicted to much wine. That's interesting. (laughs) But to teach what is good. So I want to look at four ways how not to be an old fogey today, four challenges that face us as we age. And again, these are applicable to all of us. Number one, if you don't want to be an old fogey, don't 
going to spiritual retirement. The challenge as we get older is that we are tempted to back off of church involvement, spiritual responsibility, become maybe even stagnant, or even giving up and not caring anymore. There's a tendency to say, well, I've served in the church for years, let someone else do it. Or people might use physical limitations as an excuse, and sometimes, obviously, those are uh, relevant. A very common phrase you'll hear at this age is, I've done my part. And the problem is, as you drift away from those commitments and involvement in the church, you start feeling a less part of the church, and maybe even start drifting in your relationship with God and just kind of fade out. One of the issues in the years can also be loneliness. And I get that. I've been there. Uh, Living alone can be the pits. Well, part of the reason for loneliness is also pulling back and pulling out uh, of serving, pulling out of the church and participating in Sunday school or small groups or church functions, whatever. Paul says, you teach the older men to endure. You, you keep serving, you stay faithful. A football game is not over until the fourth quarter is finished. In fact, we know it's not over until the very last play as of Thursday night, don't we? <laughs> and, a, and a race is not over until the last lap is run. Don't quit too early. Now there is, and I didn't know this till just recently, a biblical precedent for retirement. Did you know that? Numbers 8. Speaking of the priests and Levites, the Lord said to Moses, this applies to the Levites, men 25 years old or more shall come to take part in the work at the tent of meeting, but at the age of 50, they must retire from their regular service and work no longer. So preachers are to retire at 50. I like that. They may assist their brothers in performing their duties at the tent of meeting, but they themselves must not do the work. So they retire at 50, but they can still assist. They hand the work over to the next generation, but don't necessarily quit. So instead of retire, I like the word refocus. You know, I'm not going to quit serving. I'm not going to become self-indulgent. I'm going to continue to do ministry, maybe not as hard or as strong, maybe not even in the same way. I am going to turn the main work over to the younger people, but I'm going to stay in the game. One of the major changes in our culture over the last hundred years is the length of retirement years. If you retire at 65 you could have another 30, maybe even 35 years to live, and that's almost a whole lifetime in in other generations. And more and more people are finding out that playing golf every day for 30 years just isn't all that fulfilling. So more and more seniors are looking for a second career, a second vocation, often maybe a more meaningful vocation. Ellen and I have a friend that retired from a church after 40 years of very good ministry, and he now teaches in Africa. He's in his late 60s. He'll probably do it until he's physically unable to do it anymore. It's his second vocation. So instead of retiring, think of refocusing. The Bible does not say, be faithful unto retirement. What's it say? Be faithful unto death. Keep serving. And there's a number of examples in our congregation of older people who are still doing significant ministry. They're active, they're a vital part of the church, and kept their faith and vibrant and serving joyfully. Paul said, teach those older men to endure. And I would really like to see a pervasive attitude here that says, no one retires. You may refocus, but you don't retire because God's not done with you. And if you don't want to be an old fogey, don't go into spiritual retirement. Here's another challenge. If you don't want to be an old fogey, don't give in to inflexibility. And I know, I know, the older we get, the harder it is to change. 
And yet, if you think about it, the, the oldest generation today has probably experienced more changes than any other, from horses to cars to airplanes to rockets and from newspapers to radio to TV to Internet and from no phones to rotary dial to cell phones, just some amazing changes. And I found some comments made in the year 1955, the year after I was born, 60 years ago, 1955. When I first started driving, who would have ever thought gas would someday cost 25 cents a gallon? Guess we'd better leave the car in the garage. Did you see where some baseball player just signed a contract for 50000 a year just to play ball? It wouldn't surprise me if someday they'll make more than the president. And it's too bad things are so tough nowadays. I see where a few married women are having to work to make ends meet. It won't be long before young couples are going to have to hire someone to watch their kids so they can both work. And I'm afraid the Volkswagen car is going to open the door to a whole lot of foreign business. And thank goodness I won't see the day, live to see the day when the government takes half our income in taxes. <clears throat> There's no sense going on short trips anymore for a weekend. It costs nearly $2 a night to stay in a hotel. And if they think I'm going to pay 30 cents for a haircut, forget it. Well, things have changed. Some changes for good, some not so good. And some resistance to change is understandable and even appropriate. But older people especially were more susceptible to getting into a rut and maybe wanting to stay there. Ecclesiastes 7.10 says, Do not say, Why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Don't do that. The good days weren't always so good. And what's sad about this one is we can get so set in our ways we become a hindrance to the very cause we love. At one time, it's the older people, when they were younger, they were the ones who were advancing the cause of Christ at the forefront, making the church healthy and growing. But the danger is now they hinder that very same cause that they were pushing and leading. And so we have to accept change in order to contribute to kingdom process. The message doesn't change. Okay, The Bible is still God's word. Jesus is still the way to salvation. But the methods can change. And I'll be honest, I'm not always comfortable with change. The older I get, it harder it gets. But I look at Abraham in the Old Testament. He was 75 years old when God asked him to move. And that's a big change for a 75-year-old to move to a foreign country, place he'd never been to, pack up his whole household and lead the security of his homeland. And from that point on, his life had a whole lot more uncertainty. But it also had a whole lot more significance. He was willing to change. And I'm not just talking to 80-year-olds. In fact, sometimes they seem more open and flexible than those who are younger. This is not just an age issue. You can be 25 and inflexible. So let me remind you, Jesus came. He brought change. He talked about it. The word conversion means to change. He said you cannot put new wine in old wineskins. Sometimes the old farm forms won't work anymore. Jesus said if you do put uh, new wine in old wineskins, it'll burst the skins and both the wine and the skins are ruined. You pour new wine into new wineskins that can stretch and they're flexible and we need to be flexible and able to stretch. Again, sometimes young people are, are less flexible than older people. In fact, one senior wrote of one of his challenges was the judgmental attitudes of others, especially young folks. So young people can be just as stubborn and judgmental and negative. See, for the first time in history, the church now has five generations. And that is a major challenge. We all need to be able to accommodate the other generations, which also makes me ask, maybe we should have done it at the beginning, who is old? I mean, are you old? Am I? When does that actually happen? On the communication card one time, one of our older ladies checked over 70 and wrote on it, 
very over 70. <laughs> and here's the one I go with. Here's the definition. You've heard it before. You know you're getting old when the little old lady you help across the street is your wife. <laughs> here's the third challenge. Stop the critical spirit. This one can intensify as we get older. Our patience gets thinner. We complain about unpleasant circumstances. We often feel a loss of influence and criticize the people who are now making decisions. Sometimes criticism is a way of reminding people, hey, I'm still here, don't forget me. And criticism becomes second nature because we think that's the only way we can get attention. In the Old Testament, Sarah seems to have gotten more critical as she got older. She criticized Abraham for doing something she asked him to do. Then she criticized Hagar, and then she criticized Ishmael, Hagar's son. It looks like a pattern with her. Our son Josh started seeing some of this critical spirit in his mom and dad. And he talked to us about it, and he was right. And sometimes we need to be confronted about it. If you are younger and you see an older person and you think you need to confront them, don't say, man, you're starting to sound like an old bat or anything like that. Just, In fact, the Bible says don't rebuke an older man harshly. But neither should we get away with a critical spirit. Faults are the easiest thing to find. Saw a bumper sticker said, I'm objective, I object to everything. That's an old fogey. Paul said, you tell those older women to be reverent, not to be slanders, watch the tongue, don't gossip, don't criticize, refuse to become a grumpy old woman. You might uh, get attention by complaining, but you know you're never going to hear someone say, hey, let's go over to Hazel's house. I just love to hear her gripe and complain. Don't you? Can't wait to go and see it. No. Then we wonder why people don't want to be around us. That might be part of it. Do you encourage or do you complain? When I go to Big Wednesday, everything about Big Wednesday is the opposite of what I grew up with. We worship in the light. They have it dark. We used to sit and sing. They stand and sing and stand and stand and stand. My back is killing me. And we sang with organ and piano. They sing with a screeching noise. And what does the fox say? You know, stuff like that. And we wore suits and ties. They wear whatever. And we, we were reserved. And they're expressive. And Rob's up here prancing and around. And that was a sin 40 years ago, what he does. But it was. But kids are being... Kids are being introduced to God. I see young people coming to the church building with enthusiasm and with a smile on their face, and it's really hard to criticize that. Most of us taught our kids, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. Sometimes we need to take our own advice. Paul to the Philippians said, whatever's true, noble, right, whatever's pure, lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Good verse to memorize. Think about those things and your tongue will follow, your heart will follow. Now there's times you should speak up. Opinions matter. Older people are instructed to teach the younger men, younger women, be an example. It's funny, one of our older ladies out at Vonderleith, she's a member of another church, but she comes to our church service on Tuesday afternoon. And one time after service, she said she really enjoyed our services. And then she said, kind of whispered, and she leaned in about my preaching. So she, she said, you can raise a little hell. I loved it. I loved it. I didn't say that was not critical at all. I thought it was encouraging. Here's the fourth challenge. If you don't want to be an old fogey, don't live a life of worry. And there's so much to worry about when you get older. Money, health, family. The longer you live, the more you see bad things happen to your family or to friends and peers. 
I remember calling my mom when she still lived in Wisconsin, asked what she's been doing. She's, well, we went to a funeral last week, went to the nursing home to see my brother. Her social life pretty much revolved around dead people and sick people. And you start wondering, when's it going to happen to me? Will I outlive my money? Will I lose my independence? Will I lose my mental abilities? And you see changes in society that you never dreamed you'd see, and you can despair over that, and it's a political mess. And then, of course, we have physical changes to our own body happening. Two uh, older men at Walmart, they were greeters, and they were sitting at a bench at the entryway during a break, and one turns to the other and says, you know, Sam, I'm 78 years old now, and I'm just full of aches and pains, and I know you're about my age. How do you feel? And Sam says, I feel just like a newborn baby. Really? Like a newborn baby? Yeah, no hair, no teeth, and I think I just wet my pants. (laughs) That's really not funny. Okay. (laughs) But those are genuine concerns. And here's the bad thing about worry, and the bad thing about all these challenges, it opens the door to sin. Uh, Worry makes us less patient, less pleasant. We take our frustration out on others. We live more out of fear than faith, and we become ultra-conservative because of fear. And when a church, you know, has an offering or stewardship campaign, you can get negative and critical because you're worried about your own finances. And I heard this phrase once, and I just think it's so... Uh, insightful says, by protecting ourselves excessively, we diminish ourselves greatly. Who of you by worrying can add one hour to your life? Someone famous said that once. Or who of you by worrying can add one dollar to your bank account? Or stay out of the nursing home? Or by worrying can change your kids? Just make up your mind. Uh, things you cannot change, I release them to God. You have to trust Him. He is trustworthy. I cannot control my children. I've done the best I can, and no amount of worry is going to change anything. I cannot control my future. I can do a little bit about my health, but I will grow older, and I will die and can't do anything about it. When Ellen and I talked about marriage six years ago, we talked about that phrase, in sickness and in health, and we still do. It means a whole lot more now than it did the first time we got married 40 years ago. We didn't marry each other for a year. Anyway, (laughs) Isaiah 46.4. In the Living Bible, great verse, I will be your God through all your lifetime. And yes, even when your hair is white with age, I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and be your Savior. Do you believe that? Let me say a word to all of us, all generations. Let's stay in touch. We do need each other. Younger people need perspective from older generations And younger people bring freshness and life and energy and another perspective as well. One of the positive trends that I see with our younger generation is this desire for intergenerational relations. When I was young, one of the popular sayings was, don't trust anyone over 30. 30. We had a true generation gap, okay? That's just not the case so much anymore. Young people want to connect with older generations. They need to develop relationship with older people. They see it and, and, and learn from their wisdom, but they don't want to hear a bunch of griping and complaining. They want a healthy give and take. Remember Lord of the Rings? Frodo's reliance on his wise and elderly mentor Gandalf. We all need a Gandalf, and every Gandalf needs a Frodo. We need each other, like Paul and Timothy. So older people, you do have influence, and you do have temptations that can taint that influence. You also have wisdom and experience and the Holy Spirit to overcome those temptations. And instead of slipping into sin, you can advance the cause of Christ. 
Now, one of my heroes is my mom. And uh, over Thanksgiving, we hosted a Chinese student. And like some of you did, I want to thank you for doing that. Our student's name was Peter, and he's a pastor living in Beijing. Well, he's living here now, but that's where his home is. And he had a friend who's a youth minister in Myanmar. And Peter and I went over, Peter and I went over to pick up his friend that was going to come to Thanksgiving dinner with us and also to pick up my mom. And so in the car, way back to Mount Pulaski, we had a person from China, one from Myanmar, me and mom. And I thought, well, this could be interesting. And mom, as soon as she got in the car, immediately engaged them, loved talking to them. And both these students were pastors in, in their countries. And mom was asking questions about the ministry, about their churches, and the expanse of the kingdom, partly because mom has this huge heart for the gospel, going to the world and missions. Missionaries, by the way, are the real heroes. Anyway, she encouraged these young men, and I could see them just perk up. They were so encouraged. This old 92-year-old woman had a genuine concern for them and for the gospel going around the world. And I thought, I want to be like that. And there's some older people in our church. I say, I want to be like him or her. I want to have that faith and that attitude and that demeanor when I'm that age. So if you're, I don't know what age, the first service I did 65 and older. I'm going to go a little younger because I don't know if anybody, very many of us that. If you're 55 and older, would you stand? And if you'll admit it, if you're 55 and older, because we want to pray for you. You know, we're all, you're, we're all in this boat together. I guess if you're a baby boomer and older, that's, that's where we're at. We're going to pray for you, and then we're going to do a little more worship here. Lord, we are blessed to have all these generations among us, especially our older ones, and we are a richer church because of their wisdom and their strength and their endurance. This church has been blessed because of their service in the past, and we are still blessed today as they continue to serve and set the example. I pray you'll help us to help encourage them, help them to endure and be faithful, uh, give them strength as they face temptations to be passive or inflexible or critical or fearful, and let them know that you are with them as your word says. You will be our God through all our lifetime. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.